Bruce Friedman of Adult Side Broker, and welcome to Adult Side Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking with performer Naughty Jojo. At Adult Site Broker, we're proud to announce our latest project, thewaronporn.com. You'll find articles from industry websites, as well as mainstream publications from around the world. It's designed to raise awareness of our industry's plight in the war on porn and the numerous attacks on our industry and online free speech by hate groups, the religious right, and politicians. You'll find all that and more at thewaronporn.com. You've probably noticed our new podcast site at adultsitebroker.com. It has a more modern look with easier navigation and more information on our guests, including their social media links. For more, go to adultsitebrokertalk.com. And we've doubled our affiliate payouts on ASB Cash. Now, when you refer sellers or buyers to us, you're going to receive 20% of our broker commission on any and all sales that result from that referral for life. Check out ASBCash.com for more details and to sign up. Now, let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to introduce a successful and growing OnlyFans agency. They've been in business less than a year and a half, but they've experienced tremendous growth. The company was founded by two brothers. In the last year, they've done over $5 million in gross profit. They have over 130 full-time Filipino employees with affordable salaries. The strategy of the company is to acquire large volumes of creators, put them through their automated onboarding process, and then they decide which creators are worth keeping. Out of over 2,000 in the last year, they pared down to the 300-plus creators they have now. They focus on 30 to 50 high-revenue-producing creators. The top one is generating $120,000 in monthly revenue. There are many high-potential creators who currently do between $5,000 to $75,000 a month. These creators can be scaled through detailed focus and know-how, not to mention additional marketing. The founders have created scalable systems and automations through sustainable processes. The whole company is very well structured. The founders currently only work about an hour a day due to their systems. There's a great potential to further develop the revenue from each creator, thus multiplying the revenue and profits of the company. The main marketing is TikTok with some Instagram sprinkled in, which leaves amazing opportunities using other media and buying ads. Only $13.5 million. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Joanna Meadows, a.k.a. Naughty Jojo. Jojo, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's nice to have you. Now, uh, Naughty Jojo was raised in a strict Mormon home and defied her societal expectations to become a rising figure in the adult entertainment industry. Her journey from a conservative upbringing to co-owning Silver Sinners Studios showcases her unwavering commitment to exploring human desire. Specializing in gang and blow bangs with bukkake finishes, as well as some fetish niches, 
Nadi Jojo's work challenges norms and promotes sexual liberation. Her story inspires others to embrace their true selves and pursue personal fulfillment fearlessly. That's a tongue twister. Silver Center <laughs> Studios grew out of JoJo's desire to create a studio that allowed for amateur and rising models to experience a truly professional shoot. It's a pro-am studio where the production and finished shoots strive to match the quality videos you expect from many of the much larger and well-established Bukaki and gangbang producers. Silver Center seeks out driven women of all ages and backgrounds giving them the opportunity to experience a professional-level production and promotion to help further their career goals by gaining recognition in the bukkake and bang genres. So, Joanna, tell us the story of how you got into the business. I can't wait to hear this. (laughs) It was surprisingly small and unexpected. I've always been an exhibitionist, so I like having my picture taken, and my boyfriend and I kind of got into a little pattern of taking some BDSM pictures when I'd visit him in Maui. And we decided one day to put those up on Twitter. I think it was in 2018, maybe 2019. And it was just a thing for fun and for self-fulfillment. And it took off really well. I gained followers rapidly and that kind of fed my desire to push my boundaries as far as the the pictures and the videos that I put out there. Nice. Is this a lifestyle you live or is it a character you play? Tell us about that. It's more of a lifestyle that I live. There is a character aspect to it. There's a difference between who I am as a whole person, but Naughty Jojo and Joanna Meadows is a significant facet of that person. It's a lifestyle in regards that I'm very open. I don't hide what I do for a living. I don't pretend to be somebody else. I'm very open with all my friends and family. And I feel like I feel very fortunate that I'm able to live that way. Tell me about that because you're from a Mormon family. Um, (laughs) I mean, I've had the experiences I've had with Mormon people. They're not exactly flexible when it comes to that kind of thing. No, and there was, there was a lot of resistance in my home growing up. I, I knew at an early age that the church wasn't the path that I wanted to go down. I was raised <laughs> in Utah. I hate to say that. And I hate to be critical of any religion, but I don't know. As a Jew myself, it's like I've always looked at the Mormons as being so buttoned up and so repressed And it's just, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I think it suits some personalities. There are people out there that are much more comfortable, that have strict guidelines that they need to follow. And then they they don't have to be personally accountable. They don't have to make choices of their own. So it suits them well. And it, it can be a positive thing for some people. But I'm not someone that likes to be told that I have to be within a certain box or behave a certain way. So it... Very early on, it was not well suited for me. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm the same age as Donny Osmond, okay? So, (laughs) and I remember growing up and watching Donny Osmond and obviously just amazed by his talent, of course, and his sister, but looking at it and going, whoa, that's just weird, man. Yeah, and they were kind of the entertainment face of Mormonism for a while when I was growing up, too. I'm just a couple of years younger than you, so I had a crush on Donny Osmond. 
And he, he and his family actually live not too far from my aunt in Orem, Utah. So, <laughs> yeah. And the sports face of Mormonism was the 49er quarterback, which I'm a big Niner fan, Steve Young. Steve Young, yes. And, and BYU as a college for, for college athletes, they produced a lot of college athletes as well. So it does put an interesting face on it. I, one thing I will give uh, the Mormon church is they adapt a little bit with the changing times, which other people would give it criticism and say, you know, you don't change your, your doctrine to meet modern times, but smart religions do. <laughs> um, so it's one that's become a little bit more inclusive, but still far more restrictive than I want to live my life by. Oh, well, I, yes, I would say. <laughs> so, I mean, they're kind of into multiples, but not like I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, huh? <laughs> so I mentioned your niche in the opening. Why don't you get a little more into it? Tell us about your niche and how you enjoy it. Um, I'm very bukkake focused. I enjoy facials. I like come on my face. I enjoy the anticipation of it, the feel of it. I like the look of it and the videos and the photos afterwards. That was my focus kind of from the get-go. I'm an, a big admirer of German goo girls. I'm not the kind of person that likes to have to have a storyline. For me, it's all about enjoying sexual experiences in front of the camera and sharing it with people who like to watch. Very cool. It reminds me of that movie being there, I like to watch. <laughs> See, that that was the most bizarre freaking movie. Are you interested in exploring any other niches? And if so, which ones? Um, I do have other niches that I dip in and out of. I like public play. I like to see what I can get away with. Um, <laughs> in this day and age, with all the cameras out there, it, it's not as accessible as Can't it used to be. Can't get away with anything anymore, <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm not looking to register as a sex offender, so I'm, I'm pretty cautious. No, no, not a good idea. No, not some place you want to be for sure. What else? What other uh, niches are you looking to explore? I do like some of the golden showers stuff. I think that's kind of fun, kind of pushing the boundaries. Yeah, something um, you share with Donald Trump. Or at least the women that he's been with. <laughs> it, it does seem to be growing in popularity. It's funny that a lot of the extremes seem to be growing in popularity in the niche. Um, I've tried a little bit more of the gagging and vomiting stuff. I didn't think I'd be comfortable with that, but so surprisingly, I kind of like it. I'm one of those people that gets a lot of excitement and satisfaction out of the response I get from my partners or the other people that I'm interacting with. So if there's excitement coming from the other side, even if it's not my thing, if it's not my fetish, I still take a lot of enjoyment in it. Hmm. Okay. Where do you think kinks and fetishes come from? And where did yours come from? I think they can come from a lot of different places. I do think Many of them come from early in our, our lives where there may just be a particular moment that resounds with us. I have a friend that is very much into um, pantyhose and silky clothes, and he can remember being really young. Like He said he thought it was in like kindergarten or first grade and sitting on the floor next to the teacher standing up and touching her legs, and she had pantyhose on, and something just striking in him that to this day to be an exciting fantasy and something he likes to participate in. Other things for me, I've read about. I got into BDSM because I read Anne Rice's Erotica when I was younger. And a lot of that was focused on BDSM. So going through um, 
all the hormone changes between 12, 13, 14 years old and reading those kind of books made BDSM a fetish that really appealed to me. So I think they can come in a variety of ways. And I don't think there's a single source for where mine came from. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of interesting. You're into some really extreme stuff. How much of that do you think comes from the fact that you had such a conservative upbringing? Oh, I, I, th I think it's definitely rooted in that. I had my first threesome at 16. I had a girlfriend. Was, was Donny Osmond there? He was not, man. Aww, that's a, that, that, wouldn't that bummer. be something to acclaim to fame? <laughs> <laughs> I had another friend who, who wasn't um, a Mormon, and we would go on double dates, and we'd switch partners during the night. So I was open-minded from a really early age. And I do think part of it came from being told that I couldn't do things. It made me much more open to, oh, you say I can't do that? Well, now I kind of want to do that. And well, this feels good in part because I shouldn't be doing it. And I think a lot of fetishes actually come from that. I think a lot of things that are forbidden drive the excitement. And that uh, the fetish world has a lot of forbidden things in it. Yeah. I mean, it's like they said you couldn't do it. So you're like, not only am I going to do it, but I'm going to really do it. <laughs> I'm going to take a bunch of other people with me in the process. <laughs> Boy, have you, have you, have, have you ever. You started in porn at the age of 48. What are the pros and cons of starting later in life? Um, the cons are pretty obvious. What most people look for um, in porn and how America in particularly values women is by youth. Being younger is better, is more desirable on a baseline presence. So that worked against me. But being older, I also had a lot more experience and a lot more insight. I feel like I have better understanding and openness, which allows me to turn around and give that back to people, give them what they want without judgment and with more of a sense of community and understanding. It allows people to be a little more free with their desires if they can trust the source that's giving it to them. I mean, what went through your mind at that age starting in porn? I mean, did you have any self-doubts? Did you ever think to yourself, what the hell am I doing here? Uh, I was always flying by the seat of my pants. So there wasn't a lot of time to, to consider whether or not there was going to be a lot of regret. I realized pretty quickly I'd never run for public office if I pursued this. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably pretty fair to say. I think when you're that age and you start in porn, you're, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's not something that you necessarily think too much about, but were you surprised at all by your success starting at that age? Definitely. I, I was surprised to have it take off as well as it has. I was surprised at the amount of positive response. I don't get a lot of negativity. There's some occasional trolls, particularly like on Reddit. Reddit's a rough one for me <laughs> occasionally. But for the most part, it was very supportive and built my confidence and made me feel good about what I was doing, even though it wasn't something I intentionally set down the road to do. Yeah. And you've kind of had a support system also. Your friend, Lily Craven, who you told me helped you technically set up for this interview, which I thought was great. <laughs> she's amazing. She's yeah, helped me she's in so got, many ways. Yeah, she's got <laughs> sex talk with Lily. And I'll, I'll give her a plug here. 
And yeah, phone sex up. with Lily. Phone yeah. sex. I always screw that up. I don't know why. <laughs> phone sex. I'm going to tell her she needs to change that because I, I think that <laughs> sounds better. But anyway, yes, it's phone sex with Lily. And she's been on my podcast a couple of times, and I know you've been on hers. But how much has it helped to have a support system of other women who started later? Oh, it's been huge. It's huge. Um, she's been one of my biggest support factors, but there have been some others as well. I feel like I've been spared a lot of potential negative experiences because I have had that system where they can warn me ahead of time not to work with certain people. They can tell me that if I'm going to do certain projects, that what things I need to do to make sure that I come out ahead and that I don't get taken advantage of. Yeah, most definitely. How long do you plan to stay in this business and what would you like to accomplish besides fame and fortune? <laughs> I can see myself in this next business for another five to 10 years. I may not be the spotlight. I am starting to feature other models in my studio, kind of switching over a little bit to behind the camera and, and doing the prep and the business aspects of things. I would like to stay in this business for another 10 years or so, and not just for my own well-being, but to help other models, whether they're female or male, accomplish their goals and get their fame and get their success and find what they want in the industry. Yeah, because you've got your studio. Why don't you talk about your studio? Talk about what the studio's doing and what the goals are of the studio. It's funny. It really started out as a place for me to have events so that we didn't have to rent a hotel and risk everything that comes with renting a hotel, <laughs> like having too many people in one place and parking and all of that. Having some privacy and security and a spot that people could come to that even aren't in the industry because I host events for people that are in the swinger lifestyle so they can come do fantasy fulfillment here and feel safe and secure. And it started out pretty simple, you know, with a basic layout, but we added like a gangbang bench and we added a milking table. We've got a glory hole. We have some BDSM equipment. We're pretty well stocked here, which makes it accessible for other creators that maybe don't necessarily do my niche to come and do some of their content here as well. How did you make the decision to open the studio? It wasn't like a single decision. It was like, oh, it'd be nice to have this on hand um, because I do some selfie videos. I do the really pro looking shoots where they're, they're the gang bangs and the blow bangs. But then I also do a lot of selfie shoots where I do come walks or I'll do something with the milking table with some of my individual uh, male models. And it just seemed like a smart idea to have something easily accessible that's set up for my intentions. Okay. What are your plans for the studio uh, coming up? Well, we've got a couple more models coming in at the end of July. We'll have some additional models in September. Both of those events are going to be gangbang events. Um, one is a brand new model to the industry that's really just starting to launch her career. Another one is someone who's been in the industry for a little while, but is looking for that extra kick to get her out there. And that's something I really want to focus on going forward is making advancements for other models' careers while I'm building my own inventory. So I'll have residual income as time goes by and hopefully helping find some other people really make their way to success. Yeah. Have you done any live streaming from there? 
I have not. That's one of the things that I've talked about. My my boyfriend, who's my partner, Tom, that, that's something that he would very much like to do. So I anticipate that happening within the next six months or so. That's awesome. So which events do you attend and why do you go to those? Events as far as industry events? Yes, correct. So I've, I've gone to some of the Exoticas. I've also went to the AVNs this last time in Vegas. I go to events really to meet people face-to-face. I may have talked to people online or had some interactions through other people. And when I go to Exotica and I go to the AVNs, it's to, to network and to connect with people that I know of but haven't known in person and to get my name and my face out there as a real person. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on events? They're a mixed bag, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I think they can be, they're they're expensive to attend. You always want to go in tested with TTS. You've got the lodging, you've got your travel costs. If you're doing a booth, you've got your booth costs, plus any kind of merchandising that you want to do. So it can be a considerable investment for some of the smaller actors in the field. It's nice when you can get together with a couple of other models or a studio and share the the burden of the expense to participate. So that's one of the definite downsides of the events. There's so many big players and big studios out there spending money that it can be really costly for the individuals to participate in. Yeah. Which events are your favorites? I like Exotica Chicago a lot. I, I like the energy there. <laughs> I really do. I, I think of all the exoticas, it's probably my favorite. I, it seems like people are just really starting to get rolling for the season and they're excited to see each other again. And it, it always draws a really good crowd. Chicago's a great town. Right? I do like the exotica in New Jersey too, but Chicago just beats all of them. Hmm. Fantastic. What was the most positive and the most negative thing that's happened to you at an event? Well, I guess that's all relative. One of my favorite moments, I think, at an event was at the AVNs this year, having people recognize me when I'm out and about. That that was a big first for me, for having people to say, hey, Naughty Jojo, Naughty Jojo, I know you, hey, can I get a picture with you? That was the first time that I've ever really felt famous, so to speak. So that was really positive. But on the other end, I did have a fan that was a little obsessive and intrusive that I had to have removed and caused some, some anxiety in, in that regard. So that was probably the most negative encounter that I've had is having somebody be overexcited and not respectful of boundaries. So how'd you deal with it? Reported him to uh, the hotel security. Shit. <laughs> Blocked him on all my profiles. It did make me nervous for a little bit because he sent me messages like saying that he knew where I live. Now I have a camera with a floodlight on my front door and things like that. It it was a little bit of an awakening for me because prior to that, I just hadn't had any negative experiences that made me feel exposed or potentially endangered. And it changed my perspective. What are your biggest fears when it comes to fans and being overzealous? I just don't ever want to be put in a position where I'm at physical risk or someone that I care about is at physical risk. I do have family. I have a son. I have grandchildren. So my biggest fears is, is, is would come down to them being put at risk from somebody that maybe isn't mentally stable. Sure. I mean, just talk about stalkers in general, because let's face it, they're there in any kind of performance industry. 
whether it be Hollywood, whether it be adult. I mean, what's your what's your overall take on stalkers? I've had one in the past, a couple decades ago, an ex-boyfriend that stalked me for years and I had to go through the legal system with him. He broke into my home. My view on stalkers is very realistic. There's always the potential for that to happen to anyone. They don't have to be famous. They don't have to be in the industry. And the system isn't set up to help the person being stalked, unfortunately. In fact, it works against you. It's it's really difficult to have the law take you seriously, even if somebody is readily threatening your life. Well, yeah. I mean, we've all heard the stories about stalkers doing serious damage and sometimes killing people. And that's got to be just scary as hell. Yeah. um, I have bear spray (laughs) in my bedroom. I do believe in that handguns can be a security point, but I don't have enough time to spend working with a handgun to feel comfortable using it for personal security. But I, I can see why someone, especially somebody that's far more well-known than I am and lives in cities with a higher population, is a more notoriety, I can really understand why someone would choose to go that route. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm very much against guns, but I can see where they would come in when it comes to security. Yeah, but it's one of those things but that you have to feel comfortable and well-practiced and well-skilled with. It comes with a whole set of responsibilities. And since that's not something I have time to dedicate myself to, and I hike a lot, so I'm comfortable pulling out bear spray if I need to. <laughs> yeah, it'll put down a bear. It'll put down a man. Odds are it'd put us both down, but at least in the situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and guns can be used against you too, which uh, that's the scary part. So What's your most memorable fan request, and did you do it? Um, I did have a fan that one of my favorite selfie videos is a two-stop come walk where I went to one fan's condo. I gave him a blowjob. He gave me a facial. I come walked through his apartment down to the alleyway where I had another fan. What's Tell me what a come walk is, where, where you've got the come on your face. Yeah, where you're wearing the come on your face that you've just earned in public. Jenny Jizz was one of my motivators for that. She's somebody that I'm a big fan of and friends with. And she she used to take facials and she would go into a store and buy something. <laughs> I'm not quite that brave. I'm not quite that brave. I can just imagine, you know, the little old grandma and she's in the vegetable aisle and this woman walks by with cum on her face. I, I just wonder what the reaction <laughs> well, would see, be. Well, see, then you have to know what it is. That's part of it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, that's a very interesting cosmetic, honey. What is that? You have beautiful skin. Exactly. It's an unusual thing. And with that fan request, I ended up hopping into the van uh, in the alley after getting the first facial, getting a second facial, and then walking along one of the busy streets in Denver back to my car. Oh, my God. Did you get any strange looks? People did pass me, but I didn't get anyone that was blatantly looking at me like they were wondering what was going on. But I was also really nervous and walking pretty quickly. (laughs) I could just only imagine seeing that, how I'd react. It would be like, okay, (laughs) interesting. So give me some other unusual requests. Give me a short list here. And do you get these often? I get a lot of guys that want to come to town and be on my milking table. What exactly happens on the milking table? That's where that's where you get the facial? 
Yes, it's kind of like laying down on a massage table, except I've angled mine so that it doesn't aggravate my neck as much. (laughs) And they put their dick through a hole and I work it until I can drain it. So the guy gets to just lay there. Pretty much all their other senses are cut off and all their focus on sensory input is on their genitalia. And I just work them until I can earn a facial. Wow. Interesting. And you say earn a facial. So that's interesting. Tell me about that because that's not the first time you said that. For me, it's always flattering to pull that orgasm out of someone, to bring them to that brink and push them over the edge is very satisfying. It's a lot of my enjoyment in the whole process, especially if I can push them over the edge when they're trying to hang on and and not give in. (laughs) So it's kind of the opposite of, oh, what do they call it? Where a woman um, makes a guy wait to come. Oh, yeah, exactly. Where you make them edge and hold on. You deny them. You're like, nope, not yet. And, and I will occasionally do that if I'm videoing and I want additional time. I'll feel them get close and I'll back off. But for me, a lot of the excitement is that sense of control and reward from being able to, to pull it out of them. Interesting. So what requests are on your no list? I'm not into scat play, no blood play. I don't do a lot of anal at my age. My body just doesn't cooperate with it well. (laughs) Does any woman? I don't know. There there are some anal queens out there that are raking it in because it's what they enjoy and they're good at it. I just don't happen to fall in that category. Some of the taboo stuff is a little rough for me. I'm, I'm okay with like doing some of the stepmom stuff, but the more taboo, the mommy role play isn't quite as comfortable for me. It's not an absolute no, but it's not something I do a lot of. Lily loves that. And she is so (laughs) good at it. She's so good at it. So I let that be her niche. And and then she lets facials be mine because she's the exact opposite of me. She doesn't want to see any come on her. (laughs) That's interesting. Let's back up because I didn't give you a chance to give me any more unusual requests. I'm trying to think what else I've had. I do have a lot of foot fetish guys, which I don't mind. I don't. I, I like having my feet touch. I don't get a, a lot of satisfaction out of it other than seeing them, please. I don't get too many unusual ones. One of the most unusual ones I have had has been somebody asking me if I would gag myself and beat myself and humiliate myself until I cried for them. And I was like, um, no. <laughs> It's not my genre. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry for even asking. I'm like, no, don't be sorry. It's just not my gig, you know? Not my deal. Was there anything else? No, not not really. I'm a pretty big believer in anybody doing what they enjoy as long as it doesn't hurt them or anyone else. Yeah, I, that, it makes sense to me. So you've been in the adult industry for a bit now. What about the industry has surprised you? I really thought that with platforms like OnlyFans and Fansly coming out where women had more control of their material and their content and appearing to have a bigger say in the industry, that they actually would, that there'd be less of the old school games and manipulation going on in the industry. And unfortunately, I don't feel like that's really changed that much. I I see a lot of the same old stuff going on. I see models being taken advantage of. I still see men being some of the biggest players in the industry. Some some women have climbed up a bit, 
but it, it hasn't changed as much as I thought it would with OnlyFans and the internet. Well, talk about that. Talk about the whole OnlyFans thing and how it has still empowered a lot of the models. Um, it is great because you're not handing your content off to other people. You can edit, produce everything of your own content, not have anyone involved so you don't have to worry about someone else taking a piece of it. OnlyFans is a little more difficult now. They did change at the beginning of the year where you have to provide all the model verification and ID and releases and stuff, which has made it a lot more difficult. And because they're new at it and figuring out how to do at it, that adds to the complexity. So they're not my favorite platform right now. <laughs> they're definitely going through the growing pains for sure. But I, I try really hard to adapt with them and, and meet their requirements as they change. Yeah, because it's a totally different industry than it was even three years, four years ago. Because before that, you, know, you talk about male dominated and you talk about the women being or the models. I mean, there's men too being controlled. There's the whole gay space and there's the male performers. But there was total control by the studios. The studios controlled everything. The big companies controlled everything. And now if they don't work with the OnlyFans and Fansly types of the world and loyal fans and platforms like that and aren't willing to do content trades and stuff, they're not going to have much content. It's true. The, like the full-length movie studios don't have as much control as they used to. They're not producing on the same level. And they've kind of had to bend a little bit to adapt. And they've, it, and they've also had to deal with things like Chatterbait and the, the cam world. Yeah, that changed well, things dramatically. That's been going on a long time. Yeah, but it, it really it blew up over the last five to ten years. And it has gotten significant recognition. I mean, they helped sponsor Exotica and other big events. So that's been a big change. I'm sure the, probably one of the biggest competitors for the studios. Absolutely. And things that are interactive, both the interactivity with the fan sites and the direct interactivity with the cam sites, that's what most people want more so now than studio content. Yes, studio content is still attractive. And I got to tell you, I'm still shocked as to how popular membership sites are to my clients. I still have more of a calling for that than I do anything. But of course, let's face it, cam sites and fan sites that are good aren't for sale. Okay. Yeah, so true, if, one of those, if one of those truly. are for sale, oh my God. You know, right now I've got an OnlyFans studio, or at least at the time we're recording this, I've got an OnlyFans studio, which I expect will be sold in the next few weeks to a month. Boy, people are all over that stuff. Anything related to fan sites, cam sites, oh, people are all over it. Yeah, accessibility has changed everything. It's a difference between sitting down and watching a movie and interacting with somebody. It makes it more personal. And, and I think that the generation now, anybody that's you know 25 or older, They've had the internet and they've had access to porn online for so long. That that's what they require at this point is to be able to have some personalization and some interaction. Yes, absolutely. So what about this industry has been a positive in your life? It's just shown me how many good people there are out there. Everybody can be dirty and still be a good person. And that there's always a community in everything. 
I, I really appreciated that about this industry is the, the community building that I have seen and how willing people are to help each other. It's a family. It really is. Yeah, I just got back from another event in Cyprus as we record this on July 7th. We'll be running it later in the fall, but it's always so good to see everybody. It's just always so good to get the hugs and the kisses and, you know, I mean. Yes, to actually get to touch people and smile and break bread with people and just be human beings together that are, are brought together by a common thread. It's funny you said that because, yes, we can be human beings together because it's post-pandemic. We're not doing elbow bumps and, instead, you know, <laughs> yes. and, and waves from a distance. <laughs> from six feet away. <laughs> exactly. Or more. It's like on the other side of the room. Hi, don't get any closer to me, please. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it is really nice to connect. Big time. So what's next for Naughty Jojo? I think I'm going to continue to focus on growing the studio and reaching out to more models and building my base in that regard. I'm going to try and work on my editing skills and expand a little more. I'm trying to work on doing some crossover stuff that's not necessarily X-rated, but is more adult-rated with some other creators. And we'll see where it takes me. I'm kind of going with the flow because in this industry, everything has kind of just come to me and swept me along. So I'm going to trust it to take me where I need to go. That's cool. So how can people find you? Twitter by far is the easiest place right now and until that gets destroyed. <laughs> I'm at Naughty Jojo One on Twitter. I'm Naughty Jojo One on OnlyFans. And, um, Naughty Jojo One. Yeah, you know, somebody snuck in and got Naughty Jojo before me. <laughs> of course they did. But I'm Joanna Meadows on Pornhub and X Hamster and many videos. So it's pretty easy to find me with a Google search. <laughs> That's awesome. Jojo, Joanna, I like Joanna better, as I told you. I'd like to thank you for being our guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk. And I hope we'll get a chance to do this again soon. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed having you. My broker tip today is part eight of what to do to make your site more valuable for when you decide to sell it later. Last week, we talked about information needed to give the buyer and being transparent with the buyer. Here's more information on what to give to a potential buyer. How well has your content been protected from piracy and what steps have you taken to protect your content? Are you using a piracy takedown or monitoring service? These are important things to know. What promotional tools do you offer to your affiliates? The more tools you offer, the more successful your affiliates will be. What is your traffic breakdown by country? Tier 1 countries like the USA, Canada, the UK, Germany, and Australia are the most preferred. Add in anything else that will add value to the sale of your property that you can think of, such as what custom scripts do you use? What content management system software is on your site? Do you use billing or affiliate software like NATS? What's your retention rate? How you retain your members is of the utmost importance. How many joins and rebuilds do you have a day? Do you buy advertising? And if so, what kind? Can your content make more money on the DVD or VOD markets, or have you already tapped into those opportunities? How much did you spend to produce or buy the content that's on your site? What do you believe the content is worth now? We'll talk about this subject more next week. And... Next week, we'll be speaking with Anthony Rivera of the LAL Expo. 
And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Nadi Jojo. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman. 